most of them completely bought into it, you know, secrecy and the encryption, and they were very, very comfortable using it, thought it would last forever and they would, you know, the police would never crack it. And without the jury accepting that the messages on EncroChat belonged to the people in the dock, then you couldn't have got a conviction, definitely not. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Two criminals are convicted in the first murder plot case involving EncroChat phones in a system described in court as a, an Amazon for organised criminals. Despite no DNA, no fingerprints and no gun, the court found that Paul Fontaine and Frankie Sinclair tried to organise a hit over text. At least 260 other cases in the UK have been successfully convicted since the hack by French and Dutch police in 2020, which was described as a game changer for law enforcement. But why are lawyers from across Europe now writing to the EU Parliament to complain on behalf of their clients? And what are the likelihood of some cases being appealed? Today, I'm talking to journalist Chris Summers about the Fontaine-Sinclair case and about the raft of criminals caught up in the EncroChat net. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So EncroChat, we heard all about it back in 2020 when it happened, the hacking of the uh, the criminals communication system and all those arrests, I think more than two and a half thousand in the UK and all over Europe, except here in Ireland, because uh, we seem to have taken a view on it that um, this might be a bit difficult to prove before the courts or to use before the courts. Um, in the UK, you have to date 260 convictions in relation to EncroChat cases and more than 1,380 people are charged. So it is working, shall we say. And we'll start first with the first conviction in relation to... Um, what's the, the charge? Is it attempted murder or a plot to kill? Uh, the Sinclair was um, conspiracy to murder. Conspiracy to murder. Okay, and these two names sound like they're from a movie. Frankie Sinclair and Paul Fontaine, are they made up? That does sound like a bit like um, they could be a sort of double act from some 80s movie or something. Yeah. So tell us about them. Yeah, so they were caught, you know, like many in this this EncroChat dragnet. Um, One of them, Paul Fontaine is from London, from uh, Hackney in London. He he is a bit said to be a sort of middleman, like a criminal sort of fixer uh, who sort of knows where to get guns, knows where to get drugs and puts people in touch, you know, makes money out of facilitating deals. Uh, And the other guy is Frankie Sinclair, who is a basically a, a, a drug dealer based in Cardiff in Wales. And um, yeah, they, they, have been convicted of separate conspiracy to merger charges. So uh, in the case of Fontaine, it was to do with a, a shooting in, in Enfield in North London, which actually happened. Um, and somebody actually died in that, in that one. 
Um, but in Sinclair's case, it was, you know, he fully intended, fully intended to kill somebody. Sadly, the, for him, the police got to his target first. Um, so there's a guy called Kieran Hassan, who's basically another Cardiff villain. Um, and, you know, there was a massive, there was a, you know, a war going on between the two of them. Uh, he he procured this gun to kill Hassan, but Hassan himself um, was arrested by the police in April 2024, attacking somebody else, and and has now been given a very long sentence. So that attack never took place. But so was Hassan picked up just by you know by chance, or was he also picked up on the EncroChat investigation? No, he he was kicked out. He, he was picked up because he he carried out a very blatant. Okay. Um, uh, attack uh, with machete and a sawn-off shotgun on another guy called Taylor Patterson in Cardiff, and I'm not—I think that was—I'm not quite sure it's the same feud or whether he was a friend of Sinclair's. Claire's, but mm. um, yeah, so Hassan had on 31st of March 2020, he he went round to um, Sinclair's mother's home in a place called Tremorfa in in Cardiff and attacked. The mother and Sinclair, apparently, um, well, Sinclair survived, um, and but immediately sort of began plotting his revenge, um, mm. which is where you know he he used his Encro chat phone to say, you know, I basically I need a gun. And I suppose what's significant about this case, because as I said, you, there's been there's been two hundred and sixty convictions. Um, now convictions are different. Firstly, when somebody pleads guilty. Uh, if somebody pleads not guilty, obviously there's a trial. In this case, they pleaded not guilty. So they have been convicted by a jury on the basis of the evidence that's put before the courts. And the interesting point about the Fontaine, Fontaine and Sinclair case is the evidence is purely messaging from these apps. So there isn't any, uh, you know, surveillance. There is nothing actually happening. There's nothing actually physically going on that the police have busted. Because in a lot of cases in the EncroChat investigation, they were watching things happening over these encrypted phone communication networks in live time, and they were moving in while things were actually happening. So in a lot of cases, drug dealers were caught with their literally their hands on the product. Hits were stopped as they were in place. But in this case, this was uh, organizing the hit. And the conviction is from just the messaging. I think Fontaine's... Uh, Council said to the court, there's no DNA, there's no fingerprints, there's no drug, there's no gun. All of this is is dependent on the messages. Yeah, I mean, and unlike, uh, there, there's another case uh, was been in the news this week, uh, a guy in Manchester called Leon Atkinson, who was dumb enough to take a photograph of himself and, and send it across on uh, EncroChat. So in that case, <laughs> there wasn't much do, doubt of... Uh, you know who was using that phone, but in 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 their case, Sinclair and Fontaine, yeah, there was no, you know, absolute incontrovertible proof that that one of or either of them was using the EncroChat uh, user handle that they were um, mm. said to be. Um, it was just sort of circumstantial. There was, you know, there was AMPR camera evidence suggesting that they. You know that one of them had driven from London to sorry Cardiff to London and back, but you know with yeah without without the actual without the jury accepting that the messages 
on EncroChat were, you know, belonged to the people in the dock, then you couldn't have got a conviction. Definitely not. Yeah. And I suppose these are the kind of convictions that are more than likely going to be challenged if there's challenges to be made. Um, I think, and we'll go back, we'll go back to Leon Atkinson in a minute about his sending his, his selfie photograph. But um, um, I think these, from the very beginning, when this, when this um, massive big hacking operation was unfolding around July of 2022, because the cops between France, Holland, essentially cracked the code into the Ankara chat system. 60,000 of these cell phones were being used by gangsters all over Europe. 10,000 of them, I think, in the UK. And they, they, those two police forces together got in. They started sharing the information over a live period of time until the Ankara chat phone network itself realised it was being hacked and sent out an emergency SOS message to anybody with these handsets to tell them to dump them. And then we saw frantic, uh, you know, throwing of phones into rivers, etc., all over the place. But they did get an incredible uh, view bird's eye view into the underworld and into what was happening. And I've spoken to colleagues in Belgium and in the Netherlands who say that law enforcement there are still reeling by what they saw. They didn't realise there was quite as much going on and just a, a, so many transactions between, uh, you know, with drugs and 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 guns, etc. Um, in the case that we're referring to there uh, of Fontaine and Sinclair, um, one of the the legal teams described EncroChat as an Amazon for organised criminals, where they could literally buy anything they want or do any deal they want. Yeah, and, and they they um, they obviously most of them completely bought into it, you know, to the to the secrecy and the encryption, and they were very very comfortable using it you know, thought it would last forever and they would, you know, the police would never crack it. And, um, you know, some became kind of complacent, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, there's, a, there's an estimate of that there's between 50,000 and 90,000, um, EncroChat devices, you know, were sold. Um, so, you, you know, you say two, two and a half thousand people have been convicted, um obviously others are going through the courts at the moment i mean i'm interested to know that you know that ireland hasn't isn't going to be prosecuting anyone is well we were too chris when we found out because uh when i started doing something on EncroChat, i made inquiries here well ireland in in northern ireland arrests were made and we have seen people before the courts and there are some cases pending and some have gone through but there was a appears to have been a decision made in management in the Garda Síochána that they would, while use this information as intelligence, they wouldn't act on it because just in case the criminals realised that they were listening to their phones. But that seems like a a you know a very strange decision to have made now when you look at the publicity surrounding EncroChat when you look at what's happening in all the other countries and in particular the UK, our nearest neighbour, because while the population is much bigger and we would have had much smaller um, amounts of activity here, we certainly could look on it as similar. I mean, the UK and Irish criminals work hand in glove and they use the same devices, uh, phone devices, etc. I think originally in the UK there was 
over two and a half thousand people arrested. I think there was um, more than five and a half thousand tons of Class A drugs seized, 165 weapons and 75 million pounds in criminal cash, which I don't think any state would refuse um, that. I mean, that is a haul, if ever there was. And what you're seeing coming through the courts now is the sort of, you know, the ripple effect of all this, the cases that could be brought. Um, is EncroChat coming up in court just a regular day-to-day occurrence now? Uh, are you seeing it a lot? Uh, yeah, it's it's crops up quite quite regularly in um, in cases, you know, conspiracy cases, mur- conspiracy to murder, you know, dealing drugs, firearms cases. Um, it cropped up in the the Swedish hitman case that I that we think we've spoken about. That we spoke about, yes, that's right, yeah. In that case, um, Anis Hamisi, the, the hitman, the Swedish hitman, uh, admitted he had a, an EncroChat phone, but he he gave a reason why he had it. He claimed that he was uh, dealing um, kind of a prescription drug. Well, I think it was a prescription drug that is illegal in Sweden, but legal in the UK. Um, and, you know, that was, he said, you know, that's why, that's why I had one to, to speak to this guy I was dealing with, um, nothing to do with murder or anything. Mm-hmm. But also interesting that in that case, um, you know, the IncroChat was built with a sort of panic wipe device um, where people could, the user could wipe the whole phone um, by using a pin, a special pin number. Uh, and that's what they think happened. Hamisi did that. Um, he was asked by the police, you know, what's your pin number for this phone? He gave them a pin number and surprise, surprise. Um, when they used it, they found no EncroChat messages whatsoever. So, you know, it's, it's, I guess, I guess the police didn't have any option, but to sort of mm. go with the number that he'd given them, but it, it believed, you know, it just wiped out all the messages and you they could apparently even do it remotely even if they didn't have the, the the phone in their hand so i could guarantee you i would have forgotten that pin if that was me there's absolutely no chance that would have retained in my brain uh, even something as important as that in the case of fontaine and sinclair then what is the evidence is are the are they arrested and those phones are seized and those messages are on them or are they picked up some other some other way yeah, they in in that case, uh, I'm not quite sure why they didn't use you know use the panic wipe or why uh, whether you know the police just managed to get get it before they were able to do anything. Um, but in that case, yeah, the the jury was saw all these messages uh, between them and between them and others. There's there's a character. Well, they all had uh, these encro chat handles, which apparently. Um, were ju- were given you you were given this handle by EncroChat, so you, you didn't choose the name yourself. It was it was just you know I think randomly generated. So I'm trying to think where, which way around it was. Um, Sinclair was known as Nude Train, and uh, Fontaine was known as Usual Wolf, and then there was another character called Chest Bridge, who um, was was the gun dealer, he, he, the gun supplier. And he hasn't hasn't wasn't named in court. You know, it's not clear whether there will mm-hmm. be another prosecution in the future. But you know, so there were other characters who 
you know, they, they haven't quite worked out who that person is, but, um, yeah, you saw all these messages. They're, they're talking in, in sort of a, a basic code. Um, a gun is referred to as a strap or straps, which is apparently sort of quite common London sort of street slang. And, um, Bullets were sweets, you know, like a, a baby, baby nine sweets meant, you know, bullets, ammunition for a, a nine millimeter gun. So, um, but everything else was quite easy to work out, you know, what, what had been going on. And was this like Amazon? How quickly were they able to make these orders and get this, these supplies they needed in order to carry out these murders they were plotting? Well, well, pretty quickly. And I mean, the only, the only sort of hold up was logistically. I mean, for example, um, you know, Sinclair was in Cardiff and he would have to drive to London or also he, w- he went to Manchester and Newcastle to to buy guns or inquire about guns. Um, so that that was the only hold up, really, you know, how how quickly he get to these other parts of the country to pick up the weapons because they were pretty much immediate. You know, he he made it quite clear how urgently he needed these weapons. And in one case, you know, he wanted to carry out a revenge shooting that night um and they were you know this uh fontaine and then his supplier were you know they seem to have a ready supply of weapons pretty pretty quickly i'll just take you back then to leon atkinson again is this guy operating as if he's just logging into amazon and doing his deals what happened in his case yeah he was um he was a, a dealer in the sort of uh, Wigan area, I think it was, and he was, you know, messaging other members of the gang about cocaine. But he he got very sloppy, and um, you know, at one point, just uh, sends a, a picture of himself to a one of his uh, one of his acquaintances to, uh, you know, just him having a beer in the in the in the sunshine, and it's um, it just you know came came back on him quite. Quite embarrassingly. So, in other words, that picture was able to definitively link him to the handle on that phone. So he was, you know, wasn't going to be able as quickly to deny that, you know, he was using that handle. That's right. That's right. Um, and in in the Fontaine and Sinclair case, there were pictures also used. Uh, you know, pictures of the wet. You know, just a hand holding a gun and uh, some bullets and other sort of bits and pieces, but not. Not anything like a face. Uh. Now, at the time of this um, this takedown, I think the Met Police Commissioner, who has since retired, Dame Cressida Dick, she described this as the game changer, the ultimate game changer. This was how modern police forcing was going to deal with organised crime. But isn't it interesting to see, the, as the case has come before the courts, I suppose, those two cases, and I think in, in Holland in the last month, we have seen the gang behind that torture chamber um, going to jail, 11 members of that gang that created that underworld prison with the the uh, the dental chair and the pliers in, in one of the, the containers and in the others were holding cells for for their enemies. They have also been convicted. But isn't it interesting to see the absolute confidence with which the underworld worked um, on this system, on this communication system? It really does show how this was a golden age for crime with with this developed technology. Yeah, I mean, they, they, uh, we we don't really know who was behind this um, Encro chat. Um, all we know is they were based in Holland. Um, that hasn't necessarily made them Dutch, but they're 
you know, they, they obviously persuaded their client, you know, their clientele that it was a foolproof system. Um, but I mean, they, they were, I mean, it, I, 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 I wondered why the French were involved in the first place, but it, it could have been, I believe it was because, um, the, the data was being held on a server in a place called Roubaix in, um, Northern France, very close to the Belgian border. Um, so it could have been just jurisdictionally that, you know, that it had to be the French police, the gendarmerie who, um, had to sort of make the first approach. I think they, they approached the company called OHV and, um, you know, somehow, well, they got their implant into the, um, system. So that was able to, uh, undo the encryption um the the british uh, national crime agency was apparently working on their own implant at the time but the the french beat them to it um so there's a little bit of a sort of rivalry between countries in that one mm. and look as these cases come before the courts in in various various jurisdictions and i think from the beginning as i said to you there was an expectation that some of this these cases will be challenged or there'll be defences put up in relation to these messages. This is all new technology really before the courts and hasn't been tried or tested. But um, it's the French in particular who are being targeted by the lawyers maybe and those who are who are saying it's impossible for their clients to challenge the accuracy of the evidence against them. It's the French in particular, and that's because they're the ones that are holding the data, obviously. Yeah, and there's, there's a number of challenges. There, there's already been a challenge in the, the British uh, Court of Appeal where they were basically trying to make the point that um, in, in England, in Britain, um, you cannot uh, use phone tapping evidence in a, in a trial. You know, Again, you can only use it for intelligence. Um, but you can use mobile phone messages or data or whatever. Um, and so the, 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 def the, these defense lawyers were saying, um, you know, it should be treated as phone tapping and it should be inadmissible. Um, the prosecution was saying, no, it should be treated like mobile phone data. And they, they won the day, the court of appeal up, upheld their, their point of view. So, it you know it is still admissible. Um, I don't know whether that's why you know the Irish uh, decided not to use it, you know, not to have prosecutions. But there's still ongoing um, disputes. They couldn't have any prosecutions because they never arrested anybody. Ah, right, right, right. Yeah. So the the decision they actually totally preempted that bit of it anyway by the decision not to actually act on the information that came in. I think we were unique. We were unique and outriders within the the group that were, you know, lucky enough to be getting that sort of intelligence live as it came in. But um, from my understanding in the UK, what happened was as the information came into the NCA, the information was then passed on to the localised police forces. And, and I think that's why we're seeing these cases come up in Birmingham, in Manchester, in London, where you're based and elsewhere yeah i i spoke to uh, a woman from um an organizing a european organization called fair trials who uh they're they're questioning you know they want a moratorium on uh encrochat prosecutions because their their main point is that nobody you know this hasn't been done properly so the 
the French, the, the data that the French got, you know, the, from this server, we've only got their word for it. You know, we, we don't have the proper paper trail explaining how, firstly, how they encrypted it and how they broke the system. Um, we've just got, you know, basically, okay, this is the raw data and take it from us that we got it from EncroChat. Um, and that's just not the way things are normally done. Um, and, they say it's it's a very bad precedent and it shouldn't be allowed to happen. Um, they're saying that there's lots of people um, you know, who had EncroChat phones still waiting to find out whether they're going to be prosecuted. You know, maybe they maybe they were sort of dealing you know a bit of weed or whatever, but you know they're they're worried that somebody will, will maybe put their name to a to a different user handle and say, oh, you were you were involved in a murder conspiracy and. So they're, mm -hmm. they're basically, uh, you know, they're, they're calling foul with the whole the whole system. And, and apparently in Germany as well, particularly in Germany, there's been a lot of uh, pressure on defense lawyers to sort of, they basically they come to them and say, well, we've got EncroChat evidence against your, your, um, your client. And the defense lawyers have pretty much fallen over and said, okay, we'll, we'll plead to a, you know, a lesser charge and, there's been very little ch uh, judicial challenge in Germany mm. to it. You know, I think they, so uh, it's, it's interesting how different jurisdictions have handled it differently. So 23 lawyers from these different jurisdictions from France, Belgium, Germany, the Netherlands, Norway, Sweden, and indeed the UK have now written to the European Parliament about this. Are they taking a challenge? Are they hoping to take a challenge? Are they? Is this just a testing the waters to see how the parliament comes back? Um, I mean, look, surely there is an, a, a percentage of cases that are questionable if they're reliant solely on the, uh, you know, the anchor chat handles and the messaging going through the phones. But in a majority of these cases, from what I can see, a lot of these people are caught red handed and there's other evidence, too that the EncroChat handle was basically the, the little piece of the jigsaw that led the, the police to these individuals who were carrying out these conspiracies to kill, to import drugs. They were holding weapons. There's physical evidence there, too. So it is probably a finite amount of cases we're talking about that, that are, are questionable. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much doubt that most, if not all, users of EncroChat were involved in criminality to some degree. Uh, I mean, at the, at the Swedish hitman trial, the defense lawyer there tried to, was suggesting that um, some of them might have been journalists or, um, or you know, in, investigative uh, people who were um, wanted to encrypt their, their messages because they, they, they were doing very, you know, important investigative journalism or or they were maybe even probing the the state or corrupt countries and they didn't want um to be found out um but so far we haven't we have yet to find um a such a person you know a journalist or somebody who had a, a decent public interest defense uh, mm -hmm. for being on EncroChat. um but it's it's a bit like you know the, it's like the dark web you know we assume that most people on the dark web are either dealing drugs or paedophiles or, you know, just people who are up to no good. But there there are, you know, people on the dark web who just have believe, just don't like 
being monitored by Google and they just want to go off radar and they just have a, a sort of different view of um, mm -hmm. human rights. So they, they, they're not necessarily up to any, any, any wrongdoing. So uh, it's, it, dep it depends on where your perspective is. Well, in your case, you're going to just monitor these cases, go through the courts going forward. Is there anything else major coming up you, you can see on the, on, your, on the diary in the Old Bailey and the Encro chat? Or are they just coming frequently all the time? There's there's another one coming back for a retrial, which I can't you know I can't mention mm. too much. But it's it's basically involving um, a Turkish uh, guy who yeah, is in is in Turkey, but has extensive um, criminal links in in London, um, and that was an encrochat evidence. Uh, they they're having to go back to a retrial in that. Um, I mean, there there will be more coming up. Um, there there may, there may be more um, challenges as well. I think the there's um, something called the Investigatory Powers Tribunal in London, which is looking into these. But even that is shrouded in secrecy. You know, the minute yeah. you take your case to the Investigatory Powers Tribunal, you're you you know it's it's anonymized, and we don't even know what what case they're really talking about. Um, so it's kind of difficult quite a difficult thing to cover from 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 this point on but um yeah it's interesting just i suppose as a journalist and somebody who's well used to seeing evidence read into court and well used to trials and trying to read juries and all the rest of those things we try to do but were you surprised to see the guilty verdicts come in on fontaine and sinclair given that as their defense said there was none of those kind of more traditional evidence lines like DNA fingerprints or, you know, drugs or guns? Not particularly. Um, I, I was there one day when um, Sinclair went to the box and gave evidence and uh, he didn't come across, didn't come across too well. You know, he was, um, well, if I was a juror, I would just think, you know, this guy's a villain. And um, if, if, you know, I, the, I'll give the police the benefit of the doubt on this evidence um, obviously there was a lot of, in that case, the defense, you know, brought a lot of sort of doubt about EncroChat itself, but, um, you know, it was a circumstantial case, but it I, think, I think it was good enough in that case. And, mm. uh, you know, yeah, I mean, some, some jurors will be very, you know, believing in conspiracy theories and that the, this is, you know, state monitoring that's very dodgy and they, Maybe they wouldn't even, even on principle, they would bring her back a not guilty verdict. But um, certainly in that case, I wasn't surprised. Yeah, it sounds to me like uh, the, the age old, the criminal shot himself in the foot, maybe in that case. Yeah, I mean, okay. you know, maybe he, he felt or his lawyers felt that he had to go in the box, but uh, he, he wasn't a great witness. All right. Well, Chris Summers, thank you very much. No worries. Uh, I'll be in, be in touch again, no doubt. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. <laughs>